Hey, my name is Jess, and I guess I'm just figuring out how podcasting works, as I also figure out how my brain works. I'm a former cancer researcher and brewery logistics manager, artist, relationship ruiner, self-abandoner, inner defeatist, autoimmune nightmare, current psychology student, health roach, and accidental podcaster slash community leader. But um, I am not a professional. I cannot therapize you. I am not a life coach. And anything that isn't explicitly stated research is coming from experiential learning, personal experimentation, and my busy brain box making sense of the senseless. I mean, having a whole support community where I can pull other traumatized motherfuckers is a pretty good resource too. But I need to say, at the end of the day, enter at your own trauma brain risk. This is a feel-good show in the sense that it will reframe the most painful aspects of your life, but that requires feeling the pain to mend the wound. You know what I'm saying? We cover hard topics, difficult talks will happen, so don't overlap them with your darkest days. And um, not to be a total asshole, but I definitely am a total asshole. So don't mistake this half-bitter, half-hopeful old punk for someone who's able to help people who don't want to help themselves. Traumatized motherfuckers and all associated parties, that's me, are not responsible for your trauma recovery. All advice or education is accepted at the listener's personal discretion. Consult your therapist. Your triggers, progress, and emotions are not managed by the show, nor is it meant to be a replacement for any kind of trauma therapy. But I'm really fucking glad you're here. We all are. Because we are not damaged, doomed, or dead yet. But if you're ready to start living a life that you actually want, you might be one of us. You might be a real traumatized motherfucker. My name is Jess, and I definitely am. Fuck is going on here? All right, uh, let's see. I wanted to mention that I've repeatedly shared your band podcast and recently your free records giveaway uh, on my own project, Traumatized Motherfuckers. <laughs> Ooh, nice. It's a little trauma support community and crowdsourcing blog where I practice uh, being less shitty, dickish, and defeatist than the first 29 years of my life uh, without being all look at the bright side and try yoga about it. Dude, that's awesome. That is great. Before I read any more, like, like that's that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, I don't know if you've been noticing through the playoffs, like, they have that, that – Uh, And I know he's a controversial subject, but that Kobe Bryant thing of like, all you have to do is be a little bit better than you were the day before. Sure. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever it is. um, And I think that's kind of a cool that kind of resonated with me yesterday where it's like do one thing every fucking day where you're just a little bit better than before. Be it like lift one more, do one more rep of weightlifting. uh drink one less cup of coffee sure drink yeah. one more thing a while you know right. like just little tiny things each day which is such a fucking weird privilege thing to say but like whatever they, they fix your brain but it can right, be anyway. literally anything yeah you're right yeah. yeah check it out kevin got me dunkin donuts too oh nice these, these guys i got the greatest fucking dudes here. yeah they, re- they respect the boss i don't know about that 
I feel like they're talking shit. Yeah, but they just they just know how to keep keep me away. They keep you upstairs so they can yeah just fuck around. Yeah, right here have a giant iced coffee and go fuck yourself. Go I play believe. this Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While we get shit done. Uh, anyway, uh, and that's the other thing. Before we dive back in, like the the look on the bright side shit is important, but it's annoying. And the yoga and the meditation and all that, it does work, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people, it's a (laughs) non-starter. Yeah, and it's not the only answer, yeah. It isn't the only answer. Uh, I'm trying to spread the message that you aren't inherently wrong, doomed, or alone in your mental illness, even if that's all you've ever been told. Having a shit childhood doesn't make you unlovable or unredeemable. Things aren't hopeless. Uh, You aren't destined to live a life of misery, and even pervasive mental illness can be managed. Uh, it was big news to me after a lifetime of fluctuating mental health, but living is believing. Actually, I started the project because exactly one year ago today, I fled an abusive domestic relationship, lost everything that I g- thought I gave my life that gave me life meaning, and started over again. This was even harder because my work, friends, and family were largely unsupportive and accusatory about the long coming breakup, something I had experienced repeatedly during my lifetime of having no idea what was wrong with me. The answer is complex trauma. Thanks, therapy. Uh, after leaving with nowhere to go, I was more alone than ever, brought from Chicago to Atlanta by the relationship where I knew no one. I wonder if folks understood the irony of blaming me for staying in in an abusive relationship while simultaneously making me feel so isolated and broken that returning to my ex seemed like my best and only option. Uh, just just like the first two times I tried to leave. This time I didn't go back, but the universal rejection got me thinking. I realized that if I had trauma support and community at any point earlier in my life to verify that I'm not a singular fucking disaster of a human, just a confused punk still affected by a really messed up childhood slash life, I would have treated myself way differently and gotten out of several losing situations much faster than I did. Including this shitty emotionally and physically abusive relationship. That's when and why I started traumatized motherfuckers as well as social anxiety hiking club. <laughs> nice. That that and began applying uh to psychology graduate programs. Oh my god, I'm so inspired right now. Yeah, dude. I like you know how sometimes when someone writes you on Instagram and they're like I don't want to listen to your band because you called Trump a clown. Why don't you go fuck yourself, libtard? And then you read something like this. <laughs> I'm back, baby. <laughs> All right, let me finish. Um. Anyways, it's just a little grassroots project now, but I hope that it will expand and reach a uh, larger audience someday. Hopefully, I'll find more folks who appreciate my tough shit attitude and sailor mouth, along with the trauma insights. I really love talking to people with similar stories and finding some light in our mutual struggles. If anyone feels this right now, I hope they hit me up. Uh, I have time. Normally, it's hard to keep up with the whole thing when I have to work two jobs, so being unemployed right now has been a hashtag blessing. <laughs> Uh, that I'd love to share. All right, that's my spiel. Celebrating my one-year anniversary of freedom and living in some fucking peace for the first time. Raise a cup of coffee for me if you're still not drinking, and thanks for everything you do. You're part of the reason I made it this far. Cheers, Jess. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, dude, this is awesome. That's great. Um, I, You got anything on that Like uh, before I dive in? No, that's great. I, I mean, this this is definitely a person that knows the lingo, so they, they know their shit. I can tell you that, like, just from my experience working with all through all this stuff. And, like, that is so 
critical like to 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 because the basis of so much mental illness that comes on later in life or, or any phase really is trauma and so many people ignore the fact that they've been traumatized because they just don't know that working through that is great and this is this is going to be so helpful for a lot of people i just hope that people can find this resource i hope this takes off for him for them jess Poor jess i yeah i knew the name i just didn't i didn't mean to misgender or apply gender wow interesting <laughs> but at the same time you made it real weird um <laughs> so there's so much about this that that makes sense like a lot of people are they they shy away from both ends of things right Mm-hmm. Like the 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 yoga style thing, the like uh, you know irritating, like in touch yoga, like you know like uh, like on Black Jesus. Yeah, have you ever watched that show, Black oh, Jesus? Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> the, the, how they call them yoga bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the the super like serious side of it, uh, the super dippy hippie side of it, and this seems to fall right in the middle of people who are like. Yo, I work a real job. I struggle my ass off. I don't have time for this fucking like whiny, complainy shit. Mm-hmm. But I'm a traumatized motherfucker. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, totally. I I feel like this. If I wasn't doing what I do, I would I would look into this based off the fact that it seems like it has a sense of humor and compassion and. A level of intelligence to it as well absolutely and all of that all that is what i'm looking for i'm looking for an alter alternative to like and and dude this is exactly she's doing exactly what i did right i went to therapy i took away from that the things and tools that whatever got me to just start talking about this shit mm-hmm. on this podcast and it sounds like she did that same thing used her life lesson to share that and be part of her recovery to you know to help other people too so it's sort of the same exact thing which is awesome and we need more of that um definitely nothing fucking makes me more or irritates me more than whiny complainy attention seeking bullshit about mental shit yeah and that's all facebook is yeah like or just like all the fucking like just the the pc side of mental health Get fucked with all that. Like, there's a lot of us farm people. Totally, yeah. <laughs> who, like, you know, like, I don't have time for that. I, I just don't care about it. I'm I'm old. I know that. I'm an old person. Yeah. But, like, there's a place for my old person views that can actually help people. And you know what? I, I, I digress a little bit. Like, if that helps other people, sure. it's not. But it doesn't work for a lot of us. And a lot of people just assume that, like, all mental health work and all that is like this trigger warning, content warning, PC mm-hmm. type shit. It's not. And and no. like I said, there's a place for all that and there's a there's an audience for it. But there's also a place for like, you know, like people like me who like, you know, had your daily dose of drinking dish soap and getting beat with wood, you totally, know? Totally, man, yeah. Like, whatever, fuck you. Like, I, I I, don't need a content warning when I've been fucking smashed up my whole life. Right, know? yeah, no, for sure. But some people do. Some Fine. people do, and I, I think that a little bit... Do you bit... get the point I'm trying to make? Did, 100%. I realize I got, I got real excited about her whole traumatized motherfucker No, it's thing. great, <laughs> and I, I think this also combat with... The whole yoga and like kind of like the hippy dippy type thing, like a lot of that stuff will work, and that's a good entry point. But what you want to be careful of, or what some people don't realize, is that toxic positivity is definitely a thing, 
And yeah. it can be as harmful as like toxic negativity, right? Like just being like, oh, look on the bright side. I mean, be thankful for every day and every, and, and those are good reinforcers to someone that can handle that. But a lot of times that toxic positivity shit can really invalidate somebody's feelings. And it sounds like totally, it, and it sucks. And that can be horrible. And it's, an, I just find that shit to be annoying because that for somebody like me, that doesn't help anything. I've always been glass half empty, but like, not even that. Like, don't fucking tell me to focus on the positive shit right now. I know, I, I, of course, but like, that doesn't help. Man. No, it doesn't. And breaking all this down, like like Jess is doing here with this, like talking about it and focusing on the trauma. That's perfect. And the sense of humor part about it, like the the, the you know traumatized motherfuckers. That's a great icebreaker to help people ease into it comfortably because it's kind of funny. You know what I mean? And it's like, totally. it's like you said, it, it, it ticks all those boxes. And this is a really good plan that I think is really going to help a lot of people. Honestly, I, that, that was a hyperlink, by the way, in that email. So even though I'm what, six months late on it, I'm definitely going <laughs> to, yeah. I'm going to look into that shit and Me see. Me too. And maybe I can even talk to her about that on this show. Hell yeah. Um, We're only doing one email today because uh, I got, I, I packed all these motherfucking orders and I'm I'm in work mode right now. There you go. Because I've got so much to do before I jet out of here and do my motorcycle trip. And mm. and I, I, I just got to get to it. I also want to get back in that recording studio. Yeah. Like today. I want to go finish all my shit for our project we're doing right oh, now. Oh, cool. Okay. So I'm going to do that too. Hopefully. Well, I say that now. But, you know, I tend to kind of back off of yeah. that. We'll see if, how busy you are. You know, um, anyway, uh, let's uh, let's let's I, my pick. I'm going. We're not that hopeless. We're not as fucked as you think in shortly moments. We can't do anything. The fucking joke is we're winning when you blink in shortly moments. What's up, motherfuckers? Oh my god, what a fucking awesome whirlwind week I'm having so far. Uh, like usual, I'm podcasting on Wednesday because I am still staying at my mom's house for no real great reason, and <laughs> she goes to work on Wednesday. So already Monday and Tuesday have been insane for me. Um, on Monday, I adopted Archie. I'm a fucking sucker, and my foster dog has now transitioned into being an adopted dog. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with his story, he is a special boy. He has a neurological disorder, which causes his muscles to not really, well, coordinate properly. So, uh, functionally, he gets around a bit like a, a drunken man or a toddler. He's just kind of launches himself into space and doesn't exactly have limbs that catch him all the time. So this means Archie has a wheelchair and we are learning how to walk slowly but surely without it. Um, dogs with this condition, it's called cerebellar hypoplasia, can actually recover to some degree or more accurately, they learn to compensate for their uh, mobile issues. So, uh, yeah, he's a lot of work. It's like having a newborn baby, 
but he is amazing. He's so resilient and fucking happy and <laughs> just stoked about every part of life, even though uh, from the outside, sometimes it can be really difficult to watch his shenanigans. So that's really fucking cool. And then yesterday, I don't even know how to begin to describe how exciting this is. Uh, I got a new subscriber to the website and it is the singer of one of my favorite fucking bands, Off With Their Heads, who also has his own podcast called Anxious and Angry. And uh, it's also a printing service, all sorts of awesome shirts for local bands and shit. So yeah, Ryan Young subscribed to my blog, which blew my fucking mind and can confirm that I ran around the house screaming and punching the air for a few minutes because <laughs> I thought that was fucking crazy enough. And I uh, had to tell my big brother who told me, you know, don't feel like a loser, but you should reach out and say that you're a big fan. And when I did, guess what? He responded and told me, fuck, beyond that, he has already talked about traumatized motherfuckers on his podcast. What? Fucking what? Ah, I don't know how to process that. So yeah, I listened to it this morning and I'm blown away. He and his drummer Kyle just have so many nice things to say and I'm I, I'm a big, I'm nerding out. I don't know what else to say. It's like having a personal hero just to validate that what you've been spending so much time and energy and effort on is worth something. I mean, obviously, I feel that way every time somebody messages me and says that it's helping in any way. For real, that makes me keep going at this because otherwise... It really is just something I spend a lot of time and energy on for, you know, not money. <laughs> so knowing that it's reaching people like I hope and it's helping at all is fucking cool. But yeah, I also have to acknowledge that having someone who I listen to, who I have leaned on in times when I was not doing well, who writes music and honestly discusses his experiences surrounding mental health and childhood trauma. That's really incredible. I don't know what else to say. I just feel like everything has been so affirmed by that. Uh, I just like laid awake last night and had trouble even fucking sleeping. I was having so much trouble processing all of that. And I will probably try to get the clip of him talking about Traumatized Motherfucker into the show because it's so neat. I can't believe it. So yeah, that's been uh, my week so far. Um, things are just kind of falling into place here. Oh, also school is going really well. I mean, just everything is like going really well this week. Um, there's so much going on. I've had so many irons in the fire here for a while, and um, it's just kind of one of those periods when things spontaneously start not sucking so bad. <laughs> just feeling awesome. 
And then this morning, it also really helped besides getting to listen to that podcast, Anxious and Angry, which was so cool. Please check out the episode from this week. Uh, I should clarify what week it is because this will come out later. Um, Today is the 26th of August, so this came out on the 24th of August. Uh, Besides all of that, dude, I had some really cool fucking listener send me an original piece of artwork that she made for Archie. It's this picture of Archie's little face that I had posted on Instagram and she fucking doodled it for me and it looks awesome. And I got that this morning, right when I got back from my fucking jog too. Yeah, just cool. It's been a cool week and I hope that everybody else is having a good time too. Uh, I needed this. (laughs) So, all right, that's a bunch of updates with me, all the good shit that's been coming my way out of nowhere. Sweet, thank you. Thank you, everybody. It's so nice and (laughs) gives me the energy to keep going with all of this because I get burnt out sometimes and wonder if I'm just an idiot who's doing this for no reason. So fuck, fuck yeah. Okay, so moving on. Um, Today, I want to talk a little bit about distress intolerance and perseverant thinking. Uh, So first of all, perseverant is a word. I hadn't really come across it before, but you know, I guess that things exist that I don't know about. Go figure. Um, So perseverant is going to be like your ruminating thinking, your constant, persistent thinking. So uh, I think a lot of us trauma sufferers know exactly what that's like. Uh, At least if you have trauma like I do, it's a lot of just being in your own head, running through the same old fucking tapes on loop, telling yourself that you suck and everything that you do is a waste and you are a waste and generally finding ways to just feel awful all the time. So why wouldn't there be a link between these two things, right? Right. Okay, this is a blog post that's about to come out called Distress Intolerance and Perseverant Thinking. You know, having this special dog is definitely teaching me a lot. I'm not going to lie and say that every day is a fucking walk in the park. I mean, he can't even walk, so that makes the metaphor a lot more difficult for starters. So just let me be clear. Taking care of a puppy who isn't able to stand, sit, eat, drink, or essentially do anything on his own has been a real learning experience for me. It is akin to mothering a newborn, whether you believe it or take offense to that or not. I mean, there's diapers, there's pop-up playpens, and there is regularly getting peed on. So, yeah. Also, no, I wouldn't say that I ever expected to be in this position. Practically, I'm trying to figure out how to create a life for this dog and to help him recover from his congenital immobility disorder. Emotionally, well, motherfucker, there are a lot of really frustrating and heart-wrenching days that almost get the best of me. I sometimes find myself overstimulated, ruminating, or turning to my escapist behaviors, like snacking, to distract from the discomfort. Combined with the mild sleep deprivation, I am not always in my emotional center. 
I think it's probably pretty easy to understand how challenging it might be to deal with puppy energy and puppy shortcomings like potty training contained within the shell of a malfunctioning body that also seems determined to kill itself. Like, I essentially have to do everything for him, and meanwhile, he is constantly trying to slam his face into hard objects or propel his stiffened body towards immediate danger. With a normal puppy, pee puddles are frustrating. With a wheelie dog, every failed trip outside is another straw piled onto the camel's back of long, hard, often futile efforts and carrying his 50-pound body around in the heat is already quite a bit of a challenge. The effort, the exhaustion, and the sense of caring for him more than he cares for his own basic needs. Over time, the stress piles up. So I guess it makes sense that I get anxious and overwhelmed with all of the daily intricacies stacking up on my belabored mind. If I can step back, yeah, I can reasonably understand that there are challenges from basically every direction that are causing me problems. But from everything from taking care of his basic needs to his high-level physical therapy, uh, it's necessary and it is just something that I have to iron out with time and mutual learning, aka struggle and strife. But, you know, it is fucking worth it. Clearly, I just adopted the little fucker. Still, uh, there are days when I wonder why I am so deeply bothered by the mishaps and miscommunications that come with establishing this handicapped routine. Why pretty small and rectifiable issues can actually drum up a massive thunderstorm in my head. Why I regularly feel like a fucking failure when the world definitely isn't ending. We just had a little conundrum. Why I can be so overstimulated and miserable when there's really not much happening. Like Logically, yeah, I can see the myriad complications really clearly and realize that I need to distance myself a little bit. But emotionally, in the moment... I can get really befuddled. Like, why can a bad morning with a pee failure put me in a persistently upset mood for hours of the day? How can his refusal to eat his food cause me so much mental distress? What is happening exactly when he wants to flop all over the floor near hard, dangerous objects And I am just ready to lose my fucking mind with this enormous, swelling emotional response. The longer this little experiment goes on, the more uh, aware I have become that it's still some function of deep internalization associated with trauma. I can see that in my super critical brain, His attempts and failures are interpreted to mean a lot more than what's physically happening in front of me. They mean something about my life as much as his. My self-worth is called into question around every corner. My imposter syndrome is fucking chomping at the bit. My self-doubts are aplenty. (laughs) 
And I'm realizing that there's a key component of mental health and emotional regulation thrown in there. I mean, why the fuck wouldn't there be? So I think distress intolerance is playing a major role in my overwhelmed responses. This overstimulated brain response is underlying the entire emotional issue and making Archie's activities every moment of the day into personal problems rather than seeing them realistically as learning opportunities. So why? (laughs) What is up with distress intolerance anyways? Like, what is it? Is it even a real thing? Why is it happening? And how can we break the immediate negative reactions to external stimuli? And maybe most importantly, how can we put an end to the avoidant behaviors that follow this system arousal? Right. What is distress intolerance? Distress intolerance is defined as the perceived inability to withstand and manage upsetting emotional and physical internal experiences. It is associated with a number of mental disorders, including anxiety, depression, obsession, self-harm, and substance abuse. And therefore, it is either tangentially or directly related to trauma. Directly, there is evidence that following a traumatic event, sufferers experience wide-reaching emotional and distress avoidance. Individuals are motivated to escape from the situations and stimuli that create strong emotional reactions or memory-related negative symptoms. I think we've all been through that. And avoidance, one of the hallmarks of CPTSD, is the major function of distress intolerance. This is yet another example of the role that avoidance or aversion to stimuli that result in negative consequences plays in PTSD. Indirectly, trauma warriors are characteristically plagued with anxious and depressive disorders in response to their earlier experiences. As mentioned above, distress intolerance is strongly correlated with both conditions. I propose that distress intolerance is related to anxiety and depression responses as both a cause and an effect. It's a cyclical pattern of stimulus, aversion, and attempted escape that often doubles back onto itself to create additional aversive stimuli. Encountering anxiety-inducing stimuli dials up the victim's learned distress intolerance responses, which, I mean, they function to subvert attention from the anxiety-inducing stimuli in order to reduce the emotionally heightened state. Unfortunately, this attempt at distress intolerance, or at distress avoidance, excuse me, is often conducted through means of maladaptive coping strategies that serve to strengthen the anxiety with varying degrees of delay. Maybe you'll feel better in the short term, but you'll pay for it dearly tomorrow when your anxiety reaches new heights. Let the avoidance begin again. A vicious cycle is created. So in less academic terms, I think it's pretty clear that I am in grad school and spitting out a lot of the things I've been learning lately. What 
is distress intolerance. (laughs) I can imagine it most vividly when I'm in an already heightened state of tension or arousal, and it just takes the goddamn wind blowing the wrong way for me to have a fucking shutdown. Like, you know that feeling when you are running late for work, every little thing is going wrong with your morning, and something completely inert finally pushes you over the fucking edge. Your phone won't charge, someone cuts you off in traffic, your cell phone keeps getting disconnected, your boss emails you at an inopportune moment, your mom is texting you some dumb bullshit, somebody is smacking their gum in your vicinity. Or your kids won't stop crying, your husband is making that goddamn sound again, or the dog just won't quit goddamn barking outside the door. And you just cannot deal. This is it. This is the moment when you finally implode. Just call the producers of Snapped because someone is about to get fucking strangled. Yeah. (laughs) You probably try to escape from the stimuli fleeing to a different location, shutting down, or having an aggressive outburst. You might leave the room, you throw your phone, you collapse into yourself and start to tear up. You might punch the dashboard or screech like a banshee, or honestly consider banging your head against a wall. A mini adult temper tantrum takes place. Right, and it usually resolves itself only after taking some deep breaths, distancing yourself, aka dissociating from the situation, or delving into escapist behaviors to distract from the discomfort. This is distress intolerance. This is your brain on overload. Next question, is it real? So, well, let me be honest and tell you that when I first heard about, quote, distress intolerance, I scoffed and called it some stupid goddamn bullshit. To be fair, it was my abusive ex telling me that the reason why he chased me around the house and harassed me with dozens of phone calls when I asked for space and generally had no respect for my boundaries was distress intolerance. Something he had just learned about after years of insisting that I was the only party with even the slightest semblance of mental unhealth. So yeah, at the time, I admit, I felt like he was making excuses and throwing around a pretty flimsy psychology term that essentially amounted to, I can't handle my shit, without taking any real accountability for his actions or, you know, investigating the much larger underlying problems. I admit it. It is with great foot-in-mouth shoving that I write this article now, examining the ways that distress intolerance has played a role in my life, whether I thought it was legitimate at the time or not. The fact is, Everyone has a threshold for stimulus and internal discomfort, traumatized or otherwise. We can remain calm to a certain point, taking blows left and right without letting them get the best of us, until that final punch overthrows our internal pain tolerance. And that's the point when we're going to try to avoid or terminate the aversive stimuli. It's just biology. 
It's mechanisms of evolution, it's internal defense systems, and species survival at play. Like always, it comes back around to species survival and adaptive responses. Eh, maybe that biology degree isn't so worthless after all. So the phenomenon of distress intolerance is, as I expressed with my prior assertion, that my ex was turning a universal human experience into a clinical explanation for being a dickhead. Pretty common sense. Everyone has a breaking point. Duh. The issue is, for some of us, that breaking point is a short jog from I'm doing fine to I'm actually about to lose my fucking mind. Furthermore, we traumatized motherfuckers have many maladaptive coping strategies which result in more deleterious behaviors than the original unpleasantry we were trying to avoid in the fucking first place. It's kind of a cruel joke. In this way, distress intolerance serves to shoot us in our own goddamn foot as we trade avoidance of one unpleasant stimuli for a far more serious and longer lasting option, i.e. drinking, drug use, eating, starving, self-harming, malfunctional avoidance, agoraphobia, superstitious behaviors, isolation, etc., etc., etc. Name your poison. We all know traumatized motherfuckers do not need any help with their misguided coping strategies that can stretch on for lifetimes. We are pretty damn good at ruining everything for ourselves in futile attempts to cohabitate with mental challenges. And this is why distress intolerance seems like a worthwhile topic to address in the battle against living lives determined by CPTSD. Cool, next question. Why is this happening? Well, I've already described the function of distress intolerance to a fairly common sense extent. We all want to avoid negative sensations that feel dangerous or negatively consequential in our inner landscape. We have emotional responses in the face of perceived threats to our well-being, and therefore, we turn to avoidant behaviors that we've previously learned to comfort ourselves with to relieve the discomfort. But guess what? It goes deeper than that. Let's drive this trauma point home. I found this cool little paper about the connection between distress intolerance, the threat of emotional negativity, and the function of perseverant thinking, which leads to internalization. And motherfuckers, the easy-to-understand graphic that these researchers from Florida State University created speaks more to my experience on this planet than most other simple flowcharts ever could. The researchers at FSU showed that there is more than avoidance at play. There's also self-evaluative behavior taking place with a side of obsession and a dessert pairing of long-lasting systemic activation. Why can an internal, fleeting, otherwise innocuous event cause me long-term mental duress and spawn, spawn long-lasting detrimental coping behaviors? Uh, because I don't just try to avoid the emotions that are flooding my inner world. 
I also internalize the event and the negative emotions to mean something about me. Then I try to swallow all of those self-hating sentiments with a nice side of reignited mental anguish in the form of shame, anxiety, obsession, depression. You know, the most painful emotional states that really latch on and self-perpetuate. Yeah, uh, I ruminate. I have obsessive thinking. I dive headfirst into uncomfortable feelings by self-blame and ever-decreasing self-worth. I do not need any help with those issues. Like They already dominate my inner experience, regardless of what is happening outside of this body. And as a result, I shut myself off from the world. I explode at my loved ones. I paint a scowl on my face. I overwork myself. I eat my feelings weight in peanut butter. As a result, then I feel even worse. And now I have more ammo to internalize and shame to impart on myself. In essence, I do everything I can to try to avoid the negative thoughts and feelings about myself that come from trying to avoid a lesser negative event outside of myself. Cool. That makes no fucking sense when I phrase it that way, right? Yeah. Thanks, trauma. Trauma survivors already have a tendency to ruminate. We have obsessive, intrusive thoughts that spin around like a Walkman on repeat. Why wouldn't this persistent thinking problem have a role to play in distress intolerance and avoidance and low self-evaluation? Why wouldn't we learn to effectively punish ourselves long-term for acute, momentary events? Hell, isn't that what our trauma brain does day after day, uh, years after our traumatic experiences and instances of social shortcomings? Yeah. I know if there is one thing my brain does well, it's to hold on to negative thoughts, primarily those I can use to punish myself. As I described before in the shame entry, one of the common methods for coping with shame is to internalize the issue and try to correct through self-punishment to reduce the likelihood of repeating the mistake in the future. I spent about a decade under the influence of self-brutalization with some misguided intention of righting wrongs. If I just spent enough nights lying awake and telling myself I was an asshole, it would get better. Sound familiar? Yeah, we're really great at running around in circles around our own perceptions of failure, drumming up comparisons of how normal people always act, and turning external events into evidence of our inability to function, quote, right. If the world won't spank me for my perceived shortcomings, I'll get the whip out myself. Always focused on the past, always catastrophizing the future, always drawing negative conclusions about how we fit into all of it. But what can be done? Like, how can we actually break these patterns before they bowl us over? What can I do in the moment? You know, none of this research is really doing any good if there aren't some practical, functional ways to put it to use. So 
Here's what I've been figuring out with my own distress and tolerance management in regards to my wheelie pup adventure. So let's say that you're in a moment of distress and tolerance. You feel things building, you're about to explode, you cannot take it for one more second, and you are having an emotional response that seems unfounded. One, I know you're going to hate this, but fucking breathe. Admittedly, sometimes I think that this trite advice is the same as bad or ineffective advice. But just because we've heard it so often uh, doesn't mean that it's useless. I just think we build up resistance to actually doing it when it's pounded over our heads. Well, too fucking bad. Breathe. Close your eyes. Note your mental and physical landscape. Take a few deep ones. Reevaluate your physical experience. Repeat if you're still ready to fucking choke someone or yourself. Two, distance yourself physically. When it's all too much, when your system is lighting up like a Christmas tree, when the amount of stimulation flooding your senses is drowning you, just get out of there for a few seconds. Literally, walk away, pace in a circle, stare at the sky, lay down, feel your feet. Give yourself a moment to hit the reset button, free of the stimulation that's been pouring into your overwhelmed brain. Three, distance yourself mentally. Take note of the stimulation and try to analyze it critically. What is it? What is it actually? Is it directly connected to you? Does it really have anything to do with you? Does it say anything about your character, your worth as a living organism? Is your life permanently changed depending on the outcome of this situation? No, probably not. Reason with yourself that this is outside of you. It is just an event taking place at an inopportune time, which is causing an unfavorable effect as your sensory organs are overcome with energy. And the rest of it, that's just your trauma brain taking things too seriously, like usual. Four, think of it on a continuing timeline. You know what always calms me right the fuck down? The question, is it worth ruining my day over this? Because 99.9% .9 of the time, the answer is, oh fuck no. You probably aren't going to remember that this event happened in a week, let alone in 20 years. Who cares? Like, with that in mind, is it worth all of the energy and attention you're giving it? Are your large emotions rationally founded? Or do you have way better things to be this riled up about if you had to choose where to spend your piss and vinegar? Just think of this event as it really is. A blip on the continuum of your life. Take a deep breath and just keep living. Five, remind yourself of the purpose. When you're at your breaking point, ready to end it all, this might be helpful to remind yourself of the point of whatever is pissing you right the fuck off. Is your boss driving you up the fucking wall? Well, the purpose of putting up with their poor boundaries is making a good paycheck. Is your child really pushing you over the edge today? Well, you really love them when you're more capable of big picture thinking, I would imagine. 
Is this dog trying to kill me with his refusal to just fucking eat his food? Well, I'm trying to help him learn to dog right so he can live a real life. There's a reason. So buck up, champ. It's worth it. Hopefully. Okay, final question. How can I turn off the avoidant behaviors that I use to cope? How can I keep my hands from shoveling food into my mouth when I really want to shove my face into a wall? The story of my life. Uh, Once you're triggered into a pattern of emotional avoidance, well, it really sucks trying to flip that switch back to adaptive behaving instead of comforting coping. How do you break from the well-worn path after years of engaging the same detrimental coping mechanisms that have dug you into endless holes? As always, I can't say I'm an expert, but I can tell you what works for me. Removing the option to carry out the shitty behavior, engaging my reasonable thinking brain, and redirecting energy in a different direction do me a lot of good. So, number one, remove the negative coping measures. What is the easiest way to stop digging a spoon into a jar of peanut butter once my avoidant tendencies have taken over? Uh, It's to get rid of the fucking peanut butter. Do you have a penchant for stress-induced smoking? Same thing, toss the cigarettes away. Do you struggle with drinking during hard times? Yeah, remove the booze. Just physical removal of the tempting stimulus that enables your bad behavior is the quickest way to hit the pause button before your dissociated body continues to fuck you up. Then work on putting yourself back in that body without the distraction. Two, talk it out with yourself. Your emotional brain and your survival brain tend to be overstimulated as traumatized motherfuckers. We're really good at engaging our limbic system and our brainstems, the parts that keep us looking for danger and reacting to it, which are just functions of survival, again, like always. So force your reasoning brain to get some blood flow. Talk out the issue. First, to yourself. Just try to put the words to the event and do it out loud. It forces you to take a step back from the event, to see it from a new perspective as you search for the words to describe it, and it pulls energy away from the emotional control center that's blaring alarms for no good fucking reason. Yeah, I know, you might feel dumb describing an agitating email to yourself, but it will help you calm down. Three, talk it out with a friend. Are you ready to feel silly? Uh, Just tell your tale to somebody else. See if it still sounds like something to blow your fucking lid over, or if you can just relate to each other's shared penchants for getting a bit worked up when the circumstances didn't really merit the response. Laugh at yourself. You'll release a lot of tension. Plus, connecting over the experience will save you from some of the self-imparted shame. You aren't alone. You aren't the only one who loses their fucking shit from time to time. You aren't exclusively trigger-happy with your fuck-it responses. And you don't need to punish yourself for it. 4. Do something that makes you feel positive. Who is ready to be done with this shitty moment in time? Everyone. 
So be done. Move on. Force your brain to stop ruminating. Shut down your perseverant thinking before it becomes a week of berating yourself and driving your addictive patterns up. Do something active so you aren't getting trapped. Take a drive. Go for a walk. Sing some of your favorite fucking songs. Dance around like an idiot. Work on a project that's fulfilling to you. Change your environment, change where you're directing energy, and let go of the tension that's driving your shit-ass behavior. So, to wrap this up, why do Archie's attempts and failures sometimes push me right over the edge into having a shitty-ass day where I'm frustrated and down on everything? Well, because I'm not just seeing his issues eating and using the bathroom and not falling all over his fucking face as being what they are, behaviors that he is learning about. Instead, I see them as my personal failures, as the ways that somehow I'm not good enough, as challenges to my ability to give him the best life possible or be a handicapped dog mom. My inner critic is so ready to tell me that I'm not right, that I can't do it, that I'm failing, that it automatically goes right to that narrative. I'm guessing that this is why a lot of people have the same overstimulation and distress intolerance to any variety of external stimuli. Once that pattern gets going, once you are feeling flooded, overwhelmed, and fucking hating yourself... Uh, it's not a big surprise why the sounds of somebody smacking their gum, your kid crying, the dog barking, your phone pinging, any of this becomes so overwhelming that you just can't do it. These are all functions of distress intolerance, just to varying degrees, and all having to do with some level of self-judgment and feeling shameful. Why wouldn't they? This is complex trauma after all. All right, guys, so that's my quick blurb on distress intolerance. Is it real? Real annoying. But distress intolerance has an impact on a lot of us. I would say all of us. When our inner worlds are already so fucking tumultuous and full of discomfort, is it really any wonder that our external circumstances can easily become overwhelming? When every day is an internal hell, it just doesn't take that much to push us headfirst into rapid spirals down all nine circles. And of course, when we're already prone to assigning ourselves blame for every sin in the world, why wouldn't we take a ruminating approach to fully terrorize ourselves for days in response to a momentary hiccup? Ah, the life of a traumatized motherfucker. It is a tale of distress, avoidance, and self-flagellation. What happens when we notice and reduce our internal discomfort, confront it head-on, and stop punishing ourselves for the shortcomings of our fathers? Great fucking things. The hardest part is understanding what's going on so you can start taking the first steps, especially when you're too busy avoiding the world in a state of distress. That's it, y'all. That's my blurb on distress intolerance and perseverant thinking, with a side of beating the shit out of yourself, because what would this traumatized life be if I wasn't calling myself a fucking asshole? 
Anyways, it's been a really great day, a really great week, and I just want to thank you all again. Everyone who's reached out, said nice things, sent me cool shit. Um, if you want to send me your story or your art or anything else that you want me to share, I would love to. I just started doing this five-minute trauma poem thing. Like, you just sit down and write a quick, easy poem about what you're feeling or what you felt in the past or what it's really like living with trauma and hiding it from the world. Uh, I would love to receive more of those submissions if anyone has anything to say. Nothing big, nothing full of pressure. It can be like five lines long if you want. I don't fucking care. It's just really cool to read other people's creative interpretations of what their lives are really like. And I think it really helps other people to see things for themselves, to understand that they aren't alone. And, you know, it's also fun to make things a little bit humorous <laughs> if we can, because uh, most of this journey is absolutely not fucking funny in any way. So send me whatever you fucking got. I love it. It is making my life uh, you can get a hold of me if you'd like to at traumatizedmotherfuckers.com, t-mfrs.com. I'm also on all the social medias at Traumatized Motherfuckers. I'm trying to keep up with everything, but being in school and working and doing this and dealing with my Archie sweet baby is kind of a lot. But hit me up. I'm trying to keep an eye on it all. And send me whatever you've got. Uh, oh, lastly, if you want to jump into the Discord community, the offer always stands. You can apply at t-mfrs.com if you follow the join link. Um, and yeah, there's a little bit of an application. It's a really quick form just to make sure that I'm not getting, you know, turds in the community who don't actually have any interest in trauma or recovery. So write to me, let me know what's going on with you, and I hope that you are having a good week like I have been. All right, fuckers, I'm going to move on to the next one. I will talk to you guys soon. Goodbye. And I still believe that we're not that hopeless. We're not as fucked as you think in shortened moments. We can't do anything. The fucking joke is we're winning when you blink. It's